0: Afternoon. I hope you guys are having a wonderful day. I know I am, and it's a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. Can't wait to see what happens this upcoming week. Hopefully, it's some good stuff. I know it's going to be spring break for most of you. So, let's go ahead and get started. And today in comics, we're going to switch it up a little bit. Instead of doing two Marvel comics, This time, DC has put on the best of the best, and we're going to be doing, actually, two DC comics and one Marvel comic. I know it's a first for the show, but let's get crazy! (laughs) Anyway, first, we're going to be talking about Adventures of Superman, John Kent, issue number one. So the comic starts with Superman badly beaten. And hearing a voice asking if he's going to run. And this isn't John Kent Superman. This is Superman Superman. He responds no. And the voice reveals to be Ultraman. And he kills Superman of this universe. It's revealed that this isn't like the main Superman. This is just a uh, another person from a universe. And he basically, once he's dead... Ultraman goes and says, I'm going to kill another. Meanwhile, in Earth Zero, John is loving that he has his secret identity back. I mean, who wouldn't? And he's hanging out with his boyfriend. His boyfriend sees a shooting star, and John sees that it's not a shooting star, but a satellite falling from the sky. Several, actually. He calls Oracle and tells her to call the Titans since the Justice League is off-world. He begins to destroy the falling satellites and works with them to figure out who's going to be in what region and what's going on. His strange powers that were revealed in the Lazarus planet starts to activate and he begins to calm down as to not let it activate or he'll teleport. Oracle tells him that satellites in other places are being destroyed which confuses John because he hasn't gotten to those places yet. After going to a location, he runs into a person who's helping destroy the satellites and it turns out to be Val Zod, the Superman of Earth-2. Now, it's very interesting because it has been a while since I've seen Val Zod in any comic and it's he has a very interesting backstory. So, of course, the name Zod puts John on guard because in Earth-Zero, Zod is not a friendly name. No, 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 it's not a friendly name. And basically, he agrees to hear him out because, of course, he helped with the satellites. So, it's funny, they also joke about, oh, it would have been funny if I attacked you, and it would have been a misunderstanding, and all that stuff, so I love how it already makes fun of that cliche. He meets with his red tornado, and they go to someone who can vouch for him, which was Mr. Terrific, since Mr. Terrific spent some time on Earth too. Valzad reveals that Ultraman has been going around the multiverses, killing Kal-El, well, Kal-El's everywhere, and has a device specifically attuned to him to weaken him. Which makes sense, because Ultraman has never been that much stronger than Superman. So, he basically explains this to Lois, who's also there as well. And he wants John Kent to help him take out Ultraman, because, one, he knows that John... Uh, has had dealings with Ultraman is the reason he was trapped for years and two, the device isn't attuned to John Kent. Lois comments that they've been watching them for a while since they decided to approach when Clark was off-world and they they don't deny it. They say yes because a previous Superman joined them and died to Ultraman. Lois is still hesitant but uh, Red Tornado reveals that this is the best course of action and she also reveals that she is the lowest lane of Earth 2 and John agrees to go after Ultraman after hearing this revelation and realizing it's the only way to save his father and the issue ends and I gotta say this was a great setup for what is to come especially since we're going into the world of injustice pretty soon and I love that Tom Taylor brought back Earth 2 characters because one like I said I haven't seen most of these guys in a while And it's great that they're being utilized in the main universe. And I really like the callback with Mr. Terrific. And for those of you wondering, Val Zod is not like a uh, race-swapped character. Oh yeah, if you didn't know, he was black. But anyway, he's not a race-swapped character, but a different character entirely. Think of it like similar to Miles Morales. So basically, during the destruction of Krypton... Uh, He basically escaped with everybody else. So he is someone who survived with Kara and Clark. And despite the name, he's actually not related to General Zod at all. And during Earth-2, Apocalypse invaded and basically Wonder Woman was killed, uh, Superman, and Batman sacrificed themselves to save everyone. But here's the funny part. Uh, during this entire thing... Well, it, it's not really funny. It's kind of sad. Lois was actually killed during the first wave. His Her father uh, put her mind into Red Tornado. So now she is the Red Tornado of that universe. Very powerful, actually. So it's interesting. And when it came to Val Zod, he was in a bunker similar to Clark in Flashpoint, except uh, when they found him, he wasn't malnourished. He was just kept under wraps just in case superman ever went evil the funny thing also was val was a pacifist yes it took him a while to build up the confidence to be like all right let's fight but anyway it's a great read uh if you really like um, constantine he actually visits earth two for a little bit and has a wonderful and depressing story it's actually one of my favorites too but if you haven't picked up any earth two stories they have some books Would recommend the comic story, and he actually does a two-hour video going over all the comics. I would go over it, but that's an entire video for another day. Anyway, we're moving on to Deathly Duo issue number five. And the issue begins with Bullock in Bennett's house, and if you don't remember who Bennett is, he's the leader and the captain of the SWAT team. And he's making sure he's okay since Batman said he was the next target for the attacks. Bennett tells Harvey that he's prepared and shows him his gun collection. Harvey comments that when they have a sleepover at his house, he'll show him his Pokemon collection. And he basically leaves two cops to watch over Bennett. After a while, Bennett checks on the cops after asking for a beer and hearing no response. And he sees... That they're all torn up and there's a creature right behind them. How these guys were torn up and no one heard a thing? I have no idea. Anyway, the comic shifts to Batman explaining what happened during the hostage situation with the Joker. And he basically explains how much of a disaster it went with so many casualties. He explains that the Joker rigged the church with C4 and grenades. And when the SWAT team broke through the windows, it set everything off. Batman got people into the armored vehicle, as many people as he can. The man who Joker shot, Donald Sims, survived and was still alive without Batman realizing it. And his daughter, who was the bride, ran to him. Batman jumped to save them and explains how he survived. He basically says that before this all happened, Gotham was trying to build a train station under the church. There was many protesters, but they didn't anyway. And that's the reason why he survived, because everything collapsed into the tunnel. He also explains that he lost his grip on the daughter, and he saved the father, and when they went to see where the daughter was, she was impaled by a bunch of wood. Fast forward, and Batman tags one of the creatures with a tracker who's holding a bloody head. Meanwhile, back in the Batcave, Barbara unmasks the Joker and begins to beat on him and fights him to basically get him to tell her where her father was. Batman stops her and they have a fight on why he's not torturing the Joker to find out where her father is. Batman states that he needs the Joker's help to save Gotham from this threat that they have no idea about. Meanwhile, it's revealed that Sim's cancer research was put into military projects since it was better for the bottom line and they couldn't get it to work because not only did it destroy the cancer, but it killed most of the patients turning their bodies against them. Apparently, his daughter had the right gene frequency to get it to work, but of course she was killed. Batman suits up and the Joker Goes with them to where the tracker is. They make it to uh, where everyone's located which is rebuilt under the cathedral that collapsed. Many people that were there at the actual wedding are are actually revealed to be the people who are put onto the stakes and that were killed. And they see that Bennett is included into this list. Harley sees Joker and kisses him. Batman sees Donald Sims and he sees Gordon as well. A voice talks behind him saying they're glad to see everyone is here. And it's revealed that the person behind this is not Donald Sims, but his dead daughter. Yes, who's been resurrected. So, I know Batman lore, and usually when it comes to the whole Batman situation, the only time people get resurrected is usually the Lazarus pit. I don't know if that's the case here, or the cancer stuff because her gene frequency fits so well that it's because of that that she survived again the comic ends and I am very curious to see where it goes because I did not see that coming at all so kudos to DC for writing some good comic series and the art is still fantastic so can't wait to see what happens next in the next issue so moving on to Marvel we're going to be talking about Predator issue number one and this actually begins similarly to the 2010 film with people being thrown off of planes on a distant planet. Sadly, there's no Adrian Brody to help anybody, but a lot of people are getting slaughtered left and right, and some of the survivors manage to escape and find a bigger group. They all introduce themselves, but find out something very interesting, which I thought was very creative. While talking, some of them reveal information, which others say is false, because... I think one of them mentioned uh, Costa Rica or a country. And they're like, what are you talking about? They disbanded like 30 years ago. It's no longer its own country. And some people are saying facts that one person's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And when they say what year they think they're they're from, it's revealed that someone thinks they're from the 80s, the 90s, 2042, 2018. And it's revealed that these predators... ...have been stealing people from different times... ...and keeping them under ice. Yeah, so they didn't give Predators time traveling technology... ...so don't worry. They just basically put them in um, hyper coma ...and hydro-sleep, that's what it is, hyper-sleep. Just like the movies in Alien... ...and then woke them up to play the game. Two people are actually a part of the organization... From the um, 2018 film. Why they decided to make that canon continually I have no idea. But anyway they tell everybody about the Predator. And they agree to stock up on supplies. They go back to where the massacre happened. And uh, grab some bullets. And they see more crates falling from the sky. And they go to investigate. If you remember the 2018 film you know why these crates are bad. They see that these crates held something that was alive, and an alien creature, not the exomorph, different alien, attacks them. They manage to bring it down, but not fully, and then a predator arrives, kills the creature, and kills a couple of the people. Before the predator can kill anybody else, it is actually killed itself with a future-looking with a futuristic looking weapon, and someone who tells them that if they want to live, they need to follow them. And it's two people there. And the comic ends. And you know what? I thought it was actually very creative. It's an interesting start, the artwork is okay, but I thought taking people from different times, putting them into hypersleep, and then hunting them was actually something I wouldn't have mind seeing in the movie. That would have actually made some interesting dialogue. Heck, I wouldn't be surprised if they used that for the sequel. But anyway, that's it for comics. We're going to be moving on to TV shows. And for those of you who are super happy... About this news, I am too. So, Batman the Cape Crusader, for many of those who remember, was cancelled by HBO Max, and was a project that was going to be the next animated series. Now, it's actually found a new home on Amazon Prime, which is kind of funny because you'd figure it would fall under, I guess, HBO, since Warner Brothers owns everything, but I have no idea what they're thinking. But, anyway... We're getting it on Amazon Prime and it's greenlit for two seasons. And Tim Burton, Matt Reeves, and JJ Abrams apparently worked on this show and is now coming, and I can't wait to see what animated universe they've created. and I'm curious to see who's gonna voice this Cape Crusader since uh, Kevin Conroy has passed. Yeah, that's uh that's still hard to hear. I wonder who's gonna be playing the Joker. So, because if you think about it, the animated films are such a big part of the whole Batman experience. Each animated series has brought something great to the Batman lore, adding to the characters, and even going as far as to create new lore for some existing characters. Case in point, the animated series. Before the animated series, in the 90s, Mr. Freeze was just a regular stand-up, oh, I have a freeze gun, do this, but during the animated series, they went farther. And gave him the background with his wife. So who knows, we might get something really great uh, in this. I can't wait to see it. Moving on, The Last of Us episode 8 called When We Are In Need was amazing. And I have been anticipating this episode for basically the beginning. Because it was basically a turning point for Ellie. And Bella Ramsey just showed off the raw emotion that Ellie was feeling In the video game, during this moment, I really liked how it showed the houses, how Ellie met with the preacher, finding out that they're all from the same group, from the university, and that Joel killed one of their own. I really liked how they still presented the preacher as like the bad guy. And you get subtle hints on why he's bad. And I love the fact that Troy Baker was also in the episode playing his right hand man. And I think Troy Baker did an excellent job. One thing I did love was the fact that... Bella Ramsey... Especially during the scene where the knife... Where she's basically cutting into this guy... You could see that raw emotion... You felt it too... I thought it was brilliant... I thought it was really great... All the acting was fantastic... And I gotta love Joel man... When he captured the two people... And basically was like... Hey if you point to this location... It's not the same... I'm gonna kill you... And after po- letting the guy point to location... He kills him and basically kills the other dude. He says, oh, I believe him. And it was just so funny. I kind of wish there was more infected. That was the only gripe I had with the episode. I get that they're on a budget so they can't have infected like in the video game where every corner of your turn, you got to fight a clicker and all that stuff. A uh, surprise bloater. Again, I completely understand. And again, I thought the episode was fantastic. Another episode that was really good was the recent Bad Batch episode, especially how it focused on Crosshairs and his continued gripe with the new Empire. That Imperial officer, oh my god, he ticked me off, especially how he was very disrespectful to the clones. I mean, when they got to the planet and they saw that there was only a few clones left, he discarded them as basically expendable. And when Crosshairs and Mayday went to get the cargo back and they were caught in that avalanche, it was just incredible to see Crosshairs actually care for a clone who helped him out. I think my favorite exchange in that episode was the whole uh, pressure mine thing where uh, Crosshairs, after he set up some stuff to not let it go off, was like, you're not comfortable in your work. I was like, oh, I'm, com- I'm confident in my work. I'm just not stupid. I'm like, that is hilarious. And just see crosshairs finally click that the Empire is not a place that he wants to serve, especially after that officer after carrying that clone all the way back just to have him die and be refused help. I just loved it how he clicked and shot that officer. Kind of reminded me of um oh what's call it what was that? Bill Burr's character in the Mandalorian season two where he shot the op- the officer. After talking about Project Zinder. Very similar vibes. And I see that Crosshairs is now in the same location as the Kill- uh, the Zillow Beast. And I guess the Bad Batch is going to meet with him. And he's finally going to join back with them. I'm hoping that's the case. Who knows? They may change it up. They may switch it up. But that's my prediction so far moving on we're going to be talking about movies and the biggest trailer that dropped was the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles trailer and I gotta say it was amazing the art style obviously got inspiration from the Spider-Verse which isn't surprising considering it's the same director who basically co-directed of animated film called Mitchell versus the Machine that basically did the same art style as the Spider Verse, and it was a Sony film too. One thing that I love about this film is the fact that they actually made the turtles sound like teenagers, maybe a little on the young side, but still teenagers. And I love the fact that they got Jackie Chan, uh, Espósito as um, Baxter. I thought that was brilliant casting. And I know the Shredder isn't going to be in the movie, but I really like the fact that he's probably going to be hinted at. I mean, Shredder is a big part of the Turtles, so I'm glad that they're not doing the same cliche, where he's the same villain in every movie they faced. Especially ones that have gone to theater, it's always something about the Shredder. Well, maybe not really, because the 2007 animated film wasn't about the Shredder, but still, it was pretty good. Moving on, Mario Day was a couple days ago, and I gotta say, they finally released a final trailer for the Mario film. And while it did reveal a lot of stuff, I did love the fact that they showed Donkey Kong getting powered up by the Fire Flower, which was really cool. And something I did not expect to see. Because the only time we've seen people get powered up by that is usually in Smash Brothers. And one thing I did love was uh, the fact that we saw the implementation of Mario Kart. And how they're going to do it. And I saw a few extra places from Mario 64, which is my favorite Mario game. Yes, it's my favorite Mario game. If it's not yours, again, it's my opinion. Just saying. Just saying. Anyway, I'm super excited to see the new Mario uh, film, and when it comes out in April, it's going to be fun. Moving on to video games. Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League has been delayed until late 2023. Yep, it's been delayed, and I guarantee you, I guarantee you, the fan backlash had something to do with it. Yeah, not a lot of people were happy about the gameplay trailer that was released. And rumor has it still that it's probably going to be pushed back further to 2024. I am very curious to see how they're going to change things. Because remember, if they're moving it to 2024, that's not like, oh, we're going to fix a few bugs here and there. That's like, we're actually going to make some serious changes. And I really hope that the changes that they make won't make the game dull and empty like Gotham Knights. And I really hope that Rocksteady basically turns this game around and makes it something that everybody wants to play. Because... Live action or live service games are not the way to go. Especially for a series that takes place in the same universe as the great Arkham series. I really hope this game turns around, turns out to be really fun and really amazing. Because honestly, with this being Kevin Conroy's last uh, video game as the Batman, it would be a really great send off. Uh, Moving on, Fortnite's new season has dropped, and it's actually been very interesting. The new city is pretty fun, pretty spacious, kind of gives you a cyberpunk vibe. I'm really loving the Kinetic Blade. I really am. It's so much fun to use. And one thing I love is the new boss. Uh, What's his name? High Card. And the new collab skin that they're going for, for Attack on Titan... It's really fun. I really like it. I'm kind of sad that we have to wait 36 days to get Eren Jaeger, but I wonder if they're going to add any other Titans. The Colossal Titan, the Armor Titan, or anything in between. Or I wouldn't even mind a Levy skin, because that dude is amazing. So I'm super excited to see where they're going with that. I wonder for like an anime super, they're going to have you transform into a Titan. How they're going to implement that, I have no idea. Maybe they'll, like... I'm trying to think. Do any of the Titans really have a long-range attack? I don't think so. I mean, they could probably get you to grab, like, the ground and a boulder and throw it at somebody, or... I don't know. It's something that Fortnite exceeds in when it comes to making things creative. It's probably going to be OP, but it's going to be creative. Uh, Moving on to Paul Phoenix. And if you don't know who Paul Phoenix is, you have not played any of the Tekken games. And I gotta say, for Tekken 8, he looks amazing, and I see that they gave him kind of a new hairdo, made him older, and his moves look very smooth, and I can't wait to play this game. Because one, the graphics look amazing, and I'm always a big Tekken dude. I just hope they don't bring anybody from Street Fighter, because I gotta say, none of the Tekken people can do long-range attacks. And Street Fighters are known for that, and I really don't want... To have another Akuma situation. Moving on. uh, One thing that I finally heard some good news about. Regarding to this game. Because before I've kind of hated on this game. Just because I always said it was a cash grab. And it was personally. And that was The Last of Us Part 1. They did not need to remake this game for the PS5 honestly. Because it's like the third remake. But it's finally coming to PC which honestly is a good thing because it hasn't been on pc before and those who want to experience the video game are now able to and it's going to be available march 28th which is a couple weeks after the show ends and i think it's really great that they're doing this because one it's coming off the hype of the show and you know it's going to sell a lot of money heck it's probably going to fund part three i guarantee you part three is coming They said they may not be working on it, but we all know that's a lie. Watch, next year, or two years from now, they'll have a showcase on it, surprise trailer, I'm just saying. It's really, really unlikely that they're not working on part three. I really hope Abby dies, but that's just me. And a new trailer for the Golem game has released, and wow, just wow. You get the licensing to do a Lord of the Rings game and you just, I guess, fumble because the Golem game looks bad. It looks like something that would come from a PlayStation 2 era game and I just, I'm not feeling it. I'm really not. I really hope I'm wrong. I really do, but I'm really not feeling it. A game that actually looks like it has potential, even though it looks like it needs a lot of work, is Robocop. Yep, if you didn't know it, RoboCop, the video game is coming, and the trailer looks decent, to say the least. Obviously, there's some things that need to be polished, especially since the studio is young, and I believe it's their second or third game that this is going to be. The previous game they did was Terminator, was the recent Terminator game, and it was eh. So, again, I'm really hoping this is good. They got the original actor to come back to play RoboCop which is really great, and I love the Robocop movies, I'll say this, they definitely need to edit his voice, because he sounds older, and tired when he talks, which is understandable, I mean the dude is basically almost 80, so again, understandable, I really hope they polish the games, make the voices sound better, make the gunplay better, I'm just hoping it's really great, I know it's coming to wishlist soon, so crossing my fingers for a great, great game. Uh, The demo for Diablo 4 is out for anybody who loves the Diablo series, so definitely go on their website to check out how to join, and hopefully you love the demo. Speaking of demos, Resident Evil 4 demo is out, and a lot of people are loving it. It's called the Chainsaw demo, I think. And I haven't played it yet, I've been busy playing a bunch of other games, but you know I'm going to be getting this video game. I love the Resident Evil game, so I can't wait to play it. And I can't wait to experience Resident Evil 4 since I've never played it before. So super excited. Another game which I'm super excited about is the new Dragon Ball game. Dragon Ball, which people are saying and dubbing Budigai Tenkaichi 4, the next game in the series. And I gotta say, I'm excited about it because it's been 16 years since the previous entry. Now, I really wish it was Raging Blast 3, but since the games are very similar, I'm happy either way. I'm going to be praying and hoping for a huge roster, and hoping that it goes from Z to the recent superhero movie. And I'm really hoping them to expand upon it, to build us a great game where we're going to be able to play against other people, in the combat because honestly i miss that playing against other people because i know xenoverse you can build your own character or fight using characters but this series and raging blast was where it was at you had a problem with somebody you wanted to prove someone was stronger you got onto this game and you fought them oh it was so much fun and i really hope they add some of the effects that they had in the series before Like, if you were Vegeta and you got injured in Super Saiyan and you reverted back to uh, your regular form, he was injured. Like, you can see his uh, armor was torn. He was grabbing his arm. So, again, I'm really hoping they add those little things here and there. I really can't wait for everyone to get carpal Tunnel, spinning the analog stick, trying to win in the ultimate battle between probably a Kamehameha and um, Special Bean Cannon. That would be pretty cool. Anyway, uh, that's it for video games. Moving on to nerd theories. And for my nerd theories, I actually wanted to talk about Rock City. Because I really think there's stuff going on in the background. And like I said before, I want to say, and this is my theory, that Warner Brothers, especially with Discovery taking the helm with a lot of stuff, is beginning to crack down on what they want and what they think is going to make the most money. Because think about it, Discovery and Warner Brothers merger took billions, and for them to go and push for a live service game makes sense. Because that type of game is always going to make money, or attempt to make money. They're going to monetize everything, and with Rocksteady previously saying they're not going to add loot boxes, and it's revealed that loot boxes are a thing... I don't know. I really don't. I really hope with the recent backlash that it gives people enough room to be like, you know what? This is not something we want to do. We want to make a great game for the people. But who knows? I'm really praying and hoping that Warner Brothers Studio or even Discovering isn't meddling into Rocksteady's vision because they're a great studio and I would hate for them to go down this path and make a terrible game and... Basically be disbanded. Because I wouldn't be surprised if Discovery and Warner Brothers did that. And basically merged them with uh, Montreal or their own Warner Brothers studio. And it would suck because it wouldn't be their fault. It'd be Warner Brothers. Anyway uh, that's about it for nerd theories. Moving on to current events. Now for those of you who don't know. And those of you who pre-ordered Resident Evil 4 through GameStop. I got some bad news for you. Those of you who pre-ordered the Collector's Edition in Resident Evil 4 are in for really bad stuff. Because they've been canceling pre-orders recently for people who pre-ordered the Collector's Edition months in advance. And now they're getting emails by the dozen saying that GameStop, we're sorry we had to cancel your pre-order for the Collector's Edition and... Basically say to make it up to you, we're going to give you a $10 credit towards Resident Evil 4, the standard edition. I mean, can you believe that? It's just crazy. And it makes no sense because why didn't GameStop keep track of the number of collector's editions that they actually had? I mean, it's not that hard to put a limit on on these stuff because I mean, why go up be like tell people that you have stuff that you don't? It's not like you get to keep the money, you have to give it back. And I've talked to people about this. Many of them are frustrated beyond belief and I don't blame them. I really don't. And I really don't know how GameStop is going to recover. Because that basically level of trust is breached and now their integrity is called into question. Further into question actually, I, I don't even know if they had integrity to begin with. So, I'm really sad to hear about the people who are being affected by this, especially those who've pre-ordered the Collector's Edition and have each one from the previous games. Because to a lot of people, this is their life. They look forward to the Collector's Edition. They look forward for Capcom to give them something unique that they can call their own. And hopefully some people are able to go to other retailers and get the Collector's Edition from them. And hopefully everything works out pretty well. But that's just me hopefully wishing for them to be off to better standards. But, again, it's GameStop, so who knows. Anyway, uh, that's it for current events, and that's it for the show. I can't wait to talk to you guys next week about the cool new stuff. I'll be going over both Mandalorian episodes, and next week I'll be going over the Last of Us season finale. Because that's airing today, and I'm already looking forward to it, and I'm dreading Season 2 for what's to come. Oh god, every gamer who's played The Last of Us Part 2 is dreading Season 2. I really hope they can capture the magic or just expand upon it so it's not as bad. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was just the decisions they made. Ugh. Games are supposed to make you feel some type of way. And it did. Mission accomplished, but still. Ugh. Anyway... Again, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you guys have a blessed one. Have a good day. Stay safe. Especially since it's spring break weekend or spring break month after this week. So just please watch out on the roads. Anyway, sayonara. See you later. Have a blessed day. Goodbye.